Good morning. Good morning, Community Alliance Church. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. And welcome to today's service. Today is a food fellowship service as well. So if you're first time visitors, you're welcome to stay after the service for a meal. And uh, we do this at the end of every month. The last Sunday of every month, we have a food fellowship. So you're welcome to stay today for that. So just a few quick announcements that we'll go over, then we'll get started. Um, Every Wednesday, starting at 8 8 to 9, we always have a a prayer in the church. So if you ever want to come and if you have any requests, people are here and they pray about certain whatever you have. If you want to write it down, people are here praying in the church every Wednesday, 8 to 9. So if you'd like to come to that as well, you're welcome to come to that. But every Wednesday, uh, we'll be praying here in the church. Awana starts here October 2nd, and that's always exciting. The kids can come. It starts at 6.30, and Awana is... So kids will come. It's almost like a, like a Bible school throughout the fall into the winter and spring so kids can come, we play games, memorize Bible verses, do crafts, and sometimes we'll even have food. We'll have pizza night, ice cream, and it's just a really good time. That's every Monday, and that starts at 6.30. So invite some kids. Invite kids, invite your friends. That's a, that's a really good time. Eight, 6.30 till 8.00. And we have the Holy Spirit Bible interaction that's been going on on Tuesdays, and it's, it'll be coming up here October 2nd. That'll be uh, next week. Um, the men's outing. So if, if you guys want to come, these, this is for the men. We have a men's breakfast. That's October 7th, starting at 9 at Perkins. Is that Perkins? It's going to be here at the church. Men's breakfast will be here at the church at 9, and we're handing out little pieces of paper if you want to come to that. That's always a good time as well. Um, There will be two classes starting up here. One is a money wisdom class. Uh, I attended that a couple different times. It's a great, great class. Uh, It's led by some members of our church, and they go over just a biblical way to handle your money, and it's it's very good. They use Bible verses to support it, and just uh, they use good strategic, good strategies of handling money. So, if you'd like to come and learn about that, that starts here, October eighth. So that'll be Sunday nights, starting at six p.m. Okay, that's a great great class. If you can't make it to the first one, second one, it. De- you can come at any time, and you'll learn something. I guarantee it. And then we will also be starting on October 8th. That's here at the church before Sunday, or before the service on Sunday. Starting at 9, we'll have a series called Transformed. And Transformed is, it's, we'll be watching an episode. Transformed is, they, it's called Biblical Counseling but it, it goes behind the scenes of what a biblical counselor looks. He'll have uh, clients come in 
clients that have real, real issues or real concerns, and they, they bring it to the biblical counselor, and he, uh, he gives them solutions from the Bible. So it's, it's great, great to watch, great to look at. We'll be watching it on TV. So Transformed is, there'll be episodes. Each one will go over. One could be OCD. One could be bad time management. Um, there's just a, a series of different ones. And we'll be watching an episode. And then we'll be just looking at some questions and going over some questions about the episode. And it's just, it's really good. It's worth the watch. I, I've seen them, and it's, it's very powerful just what the Bible can do. And just when you open it up and just let it work from the inside out, it's, it's powerful. So, and then uh, we have women's Bible study. You can mark that on your calendars as well. That'll be here at the church on the 14th of October, 10 a.m. And one more thing, one more announcement. We have the Time Changer movie night. That's always a good time. We, we like to come. We don't do a movie night maybe once a year. So this is a good time. This year it is Time Changer. So I, I've seen the movie. It's a great movie. It's definitely worth the watch. But you'll see it, it, it takes a man from back in the 1800s, and he, he comes to the 21st century, and he sees how the times are. And you get to see what, how God was viewed back in the 1800s. They have such a high standard for God back in those days. And then now, you know, when he comes to the 21st century, he is just befound about how, how the times have changed. Definitely worth the watch. Come. That is October 20th. That's at 7 p.m. And we'll have snacks and refreshments here for the movie. Definitely worth the watch. So... I think we're ready to get started. So let's come to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we're here, Lord, ready to hear from you. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord, to, to hear your word, Lord, through worship, Lord, through, through your word being preached, Lord, and through interpretation, Lord, just help us to just focus our minds, Lord, and to remove all distractions, Lord, that we can just uh, adhere to your word, Lord, and just draw near to you, Lord, and just draw near to us in the process. And, Lord, bless this service, Lord. And we thank you for your very many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Community Alliance. If you want to stand, we'll, we'll get started with our service. Father God, we just thank you for the privilege of gathering together to worship you, Father. We ask that you'll come into our presence. We want to sing praises and worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Open the prison door, he parted the rage. 
know is every moment of every day. Oh, I need you, Lord, and that will never change. Every moment, every way. Oh, I need you, Lord, and that will never change. No, that will never change. You're my fortress. You're my hiding place. You're the shelter where I am safe. You have freed me. You have called me by name. My Redeemer, my saving grace. Every church. If we have children, they can go into the uh, children's program. 
It's great to be with you today, and I thank Pastor Jay for the opportunity to share with you today. Also glad to see Pastor Al with us today, and Ruth Joy, that's a answer to prayer. My name's David, as you know, and we have a lot of Davids. We have a David here, and we have a David Gray somewhere. There's a David there, Where's and another David. David means beloved or dearly loved. And so if your name's David, you're a beloved person. That applies to everyone except for David Gray because he is D-E-E-R-L-Y, loved, not, not. And you miss that, David. <laughs> There's a kind of a funny story about how I got to be named David. When my mother uh, was pregnant with me, uh, she and my dad went to the drive-in theater to see the movie, The Ten Commandments. And she told me, after she came to that, after she saw the movie, she decided my name would be David. And I didn't, didn't register with me until I got older. I thought, oh, thank God, she has to have amnesia, or otherwise I'd be Moses Mansfield, you know. <laughs> you know, we, I, I, learning people's names is the beginning of a relationship with them. If you know their name, then you have a relationship. Even if you forget their name, as we sometimes do, you still know them. And so that's the first place of a relationship. But there is another level of relationship that is even deeper. And that comes out in a, in a deeper love relationship, like a romantic relationship, because we develop in a romantic relationship little fun little words we use to call each other different names, you know. And they're called terms of endearment. And believe it or not, there is someone here today who actually calls me honey, calls me honey. Now I know you look at me and you say, I don't see honey there at all. But there's someone who, who calls me honey. Sometimes honey is followed with, will you do? And so it takes some of the sweetness out of the honey because I know there's a list of things for me to do. Well, you probably have terms of endearment you use in your family for your spouses, for your children, for your animals, your pets, cutie pie, sweetheart, pumpkin, muffin, peanut, are among the few, okay? Today I want to talk to you about what difference would it make in your life if you knew that God had a term of endearment for you. This is God's big heart of love for you. And what if you knew every moment of the day that you were a beloved child of God? 
What if you knew every moment of every day that you were a beloved child of God? You know, I was pondering that. I was meditating on that. What difference would it make in my life if I truly believed every moment of the day that I was a beloved child of God? And so I wrote in my prayer journal, I wrote like two pages of things that would change in my life if I knew every moment of the day that I was a beloved child of God. Here's just a few of them. I would not have to boast about my accomplishments in order to appear important or impress others. I would not be threatened by other people's power, position, or success. I would not have to criticize others in order to feel powerful. Instead, I could appreciate each person. I would not need the approval of others. I would not doubt my worth. I would not long for people to notice and appreciate me. I would not have to judge anyone in order to feel a sense of superiority. I would not have to justify my existence. I would not feel driven to prove who I am. What a difference it would make if we truly believed that we were beloved children of God. So today I want to talk to you about how, what a difference it made in Jesus' life to know that he was the beloved son in whom God was well pleased. And then how you can live as a beloved child of God in whom he is well pleased. My scripture today is two short verses from Luke's gospel, chapter 3, verses 21 to 23. And if you could put it up on the screen. I'm sorry for the font because I have an old computer, and when it came to Community Alliance, it changed it. So it was. But could you read it with me, if you can see it? Well, now let's read it together. Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. So there's four things. We go to the next one, and if that's, hopefully it's highlighted. These are the four issues or four components of this baptism. And the baptism, the praying, the Holy Spirit, and the voice from heaven that says, you're my beloved son. Okay, you can take the slide off. Need some water here. Luke's gospel is the shortest version of Jesus' baptism, two verses long. And oddly enough, baptism is not the focus. Baptism is, is uh, kind of behind the scenes. 
what is most important is what happened after the baptism. So, it's kind of strange. So it begins, when after all the people were baptized, so that means Jesus was the last person to be baptized. So the question is, who was there? Because you would think that if there was a crowd of people there at the baptism, when heavens opened and the voice of God said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, there would be some chatter, right? But there's no mention of any chatter. The other confusing thing is in verse 19 of the same chapter, it says that John the Baptist was put in prison. So you kind of, where's John? So it doesn't even tell us John the Baptist is there, but we assume that he was there. So, first of all, Jesus was baptized. His baptism was not a baptism of repentance as John was preaching the baptism of repentance to turn from your ways. Jesus was sinless, of course. Jesus' baptism was identifying with us as sinners so that he could take on the mission of bringing about salvation for all. So what Jesus' baptism was, it was his marching orders. Here you go, mission impossible. Here's the script. Here's what you are going to do as my son. You're going to bring salvation to all. You're going to identify with sinners. But notice the next thing that uh, uh, Luke tells us that none of the other gospel writers tell us. He says that instead of Jesus reaching for a towel after he was baptized, because you know how you spit and sputter after you're dunked in water, that Jesus prayed. And Luke likes to tell us about Jesus' prayer life. He tells us more than any other gospels about Jesus' prayer life. So what went on there? I don't think Jesus was giving God his list of needs, grocery list of, you know, help me with this, help me with that. No. I think what was happening there is that he was communing with his Father. He was in touch with the one he'd left in heaven. He was in connection with him. And so there was this connection through prayer. And, and then the scripture says, as he was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove and rested on him. John's gospel says, and remained on him. And that's important because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit showed up for specific occasions and empowered people for things and then left. And now we have the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus and anointing him and filling him so he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then we hear the voice from heaven that says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And that is a, a putting together of two scripture references. Psalm 2.7 or it says, you are my son, which has always been looked at as a messianic prophecy of Jesus as king, as a Messiah king. And Isaiah 42, 1, which says, you are my servant, 
the one I've chosen, in whom I delight. And so we're bringing that all together. So here's what, ha here's what happened as a result of that baptism. Baptism is where he got his marching orders. Prayer was his connection. It was like the coach who speaks to the player and encourages them before they go out on the field. The Holy Spirit was empowering Jesus to do ministry. And the voice from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, was his motivation for doing all that because he was a beloved son of God. Now, what difference did it make in Jesus' life that he was the beloved? We only have to look to the next chapter, chapter 4. We have the temptation of Jesus. And the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so the temptation, first temptation, Jesus has fasted for 40 days. He's hungry. Turn these stones into bread. You know what? Jesus didn't have to turn stones into bread because he didn't have to prove himself to anybody because he knew he was the beloved. And when you know you're the beloved, you don't have to perform for anybody. When the devil took him up to the top of the uh, hill and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the power and prestige and, and wealth that he could have, Jesus didn't need to uh, accept his offer because he knew who he was. Why would you exchange material things for being this, the beloved Son of God? And then the devil took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and said, throw yourself down here because the angels will take charge of you and you won't strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus everything to do with it because he didn't need to show any tricks. He didn't need to prove who he was because he heard the word beloved, dearly loved. I'm your dearly beloved son. Now, I don't know about you, but there are some days when I don't feel like a beloved child of God. Some days, it just doesn't get through. So how can we live as beloved children of God? So I want to take the same outline and show you how you can live as a beloved child of God. Now you may wonder, why does David, doesn't he use PowerPoint and he uses signs? Well, it's because in Acts it says, and the apostles did many signs and wonders. And so this is as close as I can get to that. I make the signs and you have to wonder what they're about. First is baptism. Baptism, we had a baptism a few weeks ago. A baptism is an outward sign of an inner work. When you accepted Christ, it was a glorious moment, but it was a private moment. 
And when you were bapti when you're baptized, it's a public moment where you're declaring what happened on the inside. Corinthians tells us that we become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And when we are baptized, we go under the water and we drown. And we come up a new person. And so baptism is that which not only demonstrates that we are, uh, that we have been converted, you know, reenacts that, but it also incorporates us into the family of God. I remember the day that I accepted Jesus. It was June 5th, 1965, at a camp meeting, a youth meeting. And they had been singing, Just As I Am, 27 times, because they were trying to get all the kids up there <laughs> to get saved. And I was hanging on, not because I didn't want to go up front. I wanted to go up front, but I was too shy. And there was a guy in the back of the auditorium who came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, David, he didn't know my name. He just tapped me on the shoulder. He said, do you want to go up front? I said, I do. And I went up and I knelt at that altar. Wow, the warmth of God's love just flowed through me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And that's the first time I knew I was loved by God. But baptism, conversion, is just the beginning of the journey. That's just a taste of what more he has to offer you in his love. Prayer. Prayer is where we touch God and God touches us. We get lost sometimes in prayer when we think it's our grocery list of things we have to ask him for our needs. There's a place for that. But prayer's primary focus is to commune, just to be in God's presence. And you know what I love about it is that it doesn't take a lot of words. In fact, you don't have to have any words at all. You can simply be aware of his presence in your life, and that is a prayer, and it can carry you throughout the day. I don't know how many of you have heard of Frank Labaugh from Benton, the famous missionary who changed the world of literacy by teaching people how to read. Whole nations were transformed by his uh, theory, each one teach one in literacy. When I was in junior high school, I read his book, Prayer, the Mightiest Force of the World, and he says in there that his goal in life, he was a great person of prayer, his goal in life is that every one second out of every minute of his waking hours, he wanted to have a thought that connected him with Jesus. And he said, there were days that I actually could do that. One second out of every minute, out of all waking hours, I could connect with 
Jesus. Centuries earlier, Brother Lawrence was a monk in a monastery who found himself in the kitchen doing dishes while the others were doing other things, and he just kind of developed this method of what he called practicing the presence of God, where he just become aware of the presence of God, and he was doing dishes, and he was doing laborious things, and he could just keep himself aware of the presence of God. Prayer is another one of those ways in which we understand we're beloved, because when we make that connection, we feel that warmth. I'm beloved child of God. I have trouble pinning the Holy Spirit. He kept falling off when I was practicing because I think that's just the nature of the Holy Spirit. You can't... So I got to clamp him down. Holy Spirit. Romans eight sixteen says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. That's the Holy Spirit's work is to let us know that we are children of God. I had a funny thing happen some years ago when I first became a chaplain at Geisinger Medical Center. Everybody, all new employees have to go through an orientation. So I went to this auditorium for orientation. There were probably, I don't know, 75 to 100 new employees in this meeting. And when we had a break, there's this lady that came up to me and says, are you here to be a chaplain? I said, yeah, and she said, how do, you, how do you know? And she says, you just look like a chaplain. And she was a Christian, and she could just kind of tell. The Spirit bears witness with us that we are the children of God. But you know, there are so many things that hinder our believing that we are children of God. And one of them is the way most of us were raised. We were raised based on performance. You do well, you get the applause. You don't do well, then you're disappointing, you're rejected, and you're bad. And so many of us have that same idea. I know I did. Some years ago, I was in my mid-40s, and Kathy and I were going through a rough time. Our youngest son was rebellious. He got kicked out of two schools. And so that was really hard on us. And then the church I was pastoring, I had some people in the church who were giving me a hard time. And so I felt about this big. I felt a failure as a father, a failure as a husband, and a failure as a pastor. And so it got really to be a burden to me, so I said, I gotta do something about this. So I went to a Christian counselor, and after talking all this out, the Christian counselor said to me, David, do you believe that God loves you? I said, yeah, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And she says, David, no, I didn't ask you what you know about God's love. 
I want to know what's, what you believe here. And so she said to me something I never heard before. She said, David, do you believe that there is nothing you could ever do to make God love you more? And do you believe there is nothing you could ever do to make God love you less? And I couldn't answer that question. I had to do some soul searching. And here's what I discovered. In my mind, I had said, based on this performance that we all have to deal with in life, you get applauded with your do well and you get booed when you do bad. As that I had thought in my, my heart, God, you can love me when I'm praying. You can love me when I'm going to church. You can love me when I'm serving you. But over here, where I have failed many, many times, when I've done things that are shameful, when I've messed up, when I have regrets, all of this is, you can't love that. And so I had to come to the place where I had to accept God's complete, full, unconditional love for all of me. It didn't happen overnight, I will tell you that. It was a process, but it was a big relief when I realized there was nothing I could do to make God love me anymore and nothing I could do to make God love me any less. And what I learned is one of the biggest barriers to hearing the voice of God saying, you're my beloved daughter, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, is my own self-condemning thoughts. You're no good, you're not adequate enough, you're not attractive enough, and on and on and on. And it just is such a loud voice that it drowns out the voice of the Spirit and the prayer and everything else that's communicating to you in that soft voice, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. An example of that, uh, this year, uh, I have another little part-time job where I work in cardiac rehab, and uh, I worked for Geisinger for a while, but then they dropped the program, so I worked for another company. And so I got this... Uh, request that I would fill in at uh, UCLA University in California, just do this online. That's what I do. I do online stuff because their person had, had resigned and they were looking for someone, so I was going to fill in. So I had some phone calls with them and some emails back and forth. I got all ready. One week before the program was to start, the director uh, emailed me and said, David, you can't work for us because we're a unionized hospital, and to be in this position, you have to have a, a degree in psychology. And so, you know, I felt, first of all, disappointed because I had put in time for which I wasn't getting paid. Then I felt rejected. And then I start to feel inadequate. Like, gee, 
if they're finding me inadequate, maybe my employer's going to find me inadequate, and then they're going to I'm going to lose my job, and down to that dark hole I started to go, and then I began to say, wait a minute, this is who I am. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. I'm a beloved child of God. Who cares what degree you have? Who cares? The voice of love. The voice of love comes to us through baptism. When we receive Christ, the warmth of his love fills our heart. In prayer, we make that connection. We touch God, he touches us. The Holy Spirit is there to bear witness with our spirit that we are God's children and the voice of love. So all of these other things are kind of internal. But another thing I learned was, not only do I need to hear God's voice saying you're beloved, I need to hear it from other people. I need to hear it from other people. See, God places us in community so the community and fellowship with God can affirm us and can uh, show us God's love. And so I grew up with this mentality that, you know, you shouldn't receive compliments. You should just pass them off and discard them because uh, you don't want to be proud. I don't believe that anymore. I believe that God wants to use other people to build you up, to affirm you, and that that's the voice of love also. And so we need to hear that voice and receive that voice because God is trying to say, I love you, you're my beloved. So the journey of, be, of coming to the realization that you're a beloved child of God is a long journey. But when we realize that we're a beloved child of God, we don't have to question our worth anymore. When we're a beloved child of God, we won't be rattled when life throws us a curve because we know who we are. And we won't have to compare ourselves with anyone because what can compare with being the beloved child of God? What can compare? Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, I know you've been moving throughout the congregation today and people's hearts have been hearing these words and it's been touching in various places. And I pray that you just do your work of showing them this moment that they are beloved children of God and then moving forward, they don't have to doubt their worth or prove who they are because it's already been proven by you. Thank you for your enormous love. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we sing our closing song. Let it be today, we shout the hymn of heaven. 
if you're here today and God has spoken to your heart, you'd like to talk with me, I'll be up here for a while. We have fellowship dinner before us. So let us pray and just thank God for our fellowship and our time together. Dear God, we thank you for one another because it's through the fellowship of others that we can see and know that we are important and that you affirm us through other people. So we thank you for the fellowship that we can have. We know how much you love to get around the meal table with others and enjoy connections with people. We ask your blessings on this food and those who have prepared it, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.